Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Disney Shepherd. <gasps> That's an Easter egg. Oh, oh for a, a different. Yeah. No, for our, our week. For our week. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not stupid. for anything anyone gets to no. hear about. Well, for a while. For, for a while. For a minute. Well, May. May. Easter egg, May. Uh, April showers bring May eggs. May Disney's. And of course, you are. Miniature Mouse. The Maximist. Today, we have Craig Robinson on. Craig Robinson is one of my all-time favorites. He's an actor, he's a comedian, and he's a singer. He's an incredible singer, mm-hmm. an incredible musician. We almost lost him to music. We literally almost lost him to music. Yeah. I, of course, fell in love with him and came to know him in uh, Knocked Up. What an introduction. <laughs> and you'll know him quite well from The Office and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Hot Tub Time Machine, This Is The End, Zach and Mira Make a Porno. He has a new show streaming this April on Peacock called Killing It. Killing It is a comedy about class, capitalism, and one man's quest to achieve the American dream, and also about hunting real big snakes. Please enjoy Craig Robinson. We are supported by Sleep Number. Oh, mattresses can be a pretty big purchase. It's kind of like a home. You and your partner have to shop around for one that you'll both love, that's comfortable and suited to your preferences. Well, I'm about to make your lives a whole lot easier. Instead of hopping around from store to store, just check out Sleep Number Smart Beds. They're designed for you and your partner's ever-evolving sleep needs. When you see it, you'll know it's the one. I mean, this just changed the lives of my bride and I. The fact that we didn't have to compromise on the firmness of the mattress and the fact that it can evolve as we evolve is incredible. Sleep Number is great because it's all about what you need. You can adjust the firmness to your ideal settings on each side, perfect for couples. The smart beds respond and adjust to your movements throughout the night to help you sleep better. My Sleep Number is an 85. Whether you need something with more support or something to help quiet the snores, Sleep Number has you covered. So sleep better together with a Sleep Number smart bed. It's the only bed that lets you make each side firmer or softer whenever you like your Sleep Number setting. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day, and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy, and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, yeah, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all-new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage, and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. He's an Craig. There he is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting to do this for a long, long time. Like, I think four years into this now we are. No, yeah. starting year four. Yeah, we're four. I've been asking for you for three years. We almost had a shot at it in Denver. Yes. Mm. Where are you at right now? I am in San Diego, California. I have eight shows at the wonderful American Comedy Company. Uh-huh. You wouldn't remember this conversation, I don't think, but one time I asked you about touring, and I said, I'm thinking about touring and doing stand-up, and you said, well, yeah, that money's just sitting there waiting for you to go grab it. (laughs) That was your response to me. Go pick it up. It's all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do stand-up? I did do it for a couple years, and then I stopped, but we do this show live, which is a ton of fun, and we've been having a riot doing that. I'm sure we perform at similar places, like these really cool theaters, and it's incredible. Right on. You play music throughout your whole set. I think we were talking at Largo, to be honest. Wow, it was a really long time ago. Yeah. People wouldn't know this about you, but I do. But you and Sean Hayes, you go to college together in Illinois? Yeah, we did. Illinois State University, right there in the back of the class, making each other laugh. Isn't that wild? That's that they knew each crazy. Other in Small world. And you were a music major as well, right? Correct, sir. Do you think everyone knows that about you? I, I found didn't. that interesting. I don't know what people know about me, <laughs> but I don't know why that's interesting, though. I'll tell you why. Because we get to know you as a comedian, a tremendous one, and then you're like, wait, this dude has a degree in music? I don't know. What if you found out I was an architect? Wouldn't you go, oh, wow, I didn't know he was an architect. 
I mean, that's pretty dope. Then you could like build something. <laughs> I just used to teach. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's exciting. Not very many people in comedy know how to have do also anything. Also done that. Yeah, <laughs> we generally don't know how to do anything. People come from all walks of life to come do comedy. That's the interesting part to me. Like rap stars are now coming to do comedy. I say more the merrier. Come get you some. I just wonder why people want to do it. But then I'm touring right now. I got some young comics with me. And like the look on their faces just to be here. One of the guys this is his first time doing a full weekend and stuff like that. He's doing five minutes. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what it's about. Getting your ideas out there and reaching up and stepping up and performing and doing good. So yes, yeah, it's, it's really cool, man. It's like seeing Christmas through your child's eyes or something, you know? Oh, a thousand percent. It reminds you of how impossible it was when you found yourself on a stage for the first time where you're like, oh my God, they're right there and I'm here. This <laughs> really is happening. Yep, you get exactly. used to it, unfortunately, but yeah, it's pretty incredible the first few years. You do get used to it, but the saving grace is that new joke. You write a new joke and it hits. Oh man, there's no feeling <laughs> like that in the world, bro. Yeah. That's like at the end of the new Aziz special on Netflix, that like half hour one where he shows video of his first time. Oh, right, right, right. It's so sweet and endearing to see the difference, mm. the growth. First of all, where did you grow up? Chicago. Okay. And did you want to go into music or acting and comedy as well or just music? How did you end up doing both? I was going into music. I was going to be a music major and I was looking to be doing songs and then comedy just kind of bogarted, just took over. This is what it is. You're funny. Let's make this happen. At what age? In college? In college. Yeah, yeah. It was like maybe my third year. People would come up to me and be like, hey, I was trying to say what you were saying the other day. Essentially, tell me my bits. You know, I was right. doing bits and didn't realize I was doing bits. Don't get in a joning contest, you know, where you talk about each other. Don't do it with Craig. <laughs> I'm just being me like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I got caught with the bug. I like to say comedy chose me because I, I didn't know. I was so silly all the time. My father was like, you know, people get paid to do that stuff. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of musician were you going to be? Just wanted to be a singer, like an usher type. <laughs> okay. I mean, you got to imagine me in college. You were very usher-like in college? <laughs> I wasn't usher-like, but that's just an example of somebody who, like, I wanted to get into that uh, R&B and just, like, you know, make songs and kick it. Well, you probably would have said another name if it was, like, nine years ago, right? Being from Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah. How could you have not of nine years ago? <laughs> what was childhood like for you? Your mom and dad were married? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they stayed married up until my mom passed. But, yeah, older sister, younger brother in the household, mother, music teacher, who taught at the high school that I went to. So I ride to high school with my mom, if you can imagine. Oh, no. And then uh, my father, he was a corporate attorney. So I grew up in Detroit, you know, right across the way. And when someone's mom worked at school, it was unrecoverable. The person had no chance. In theory, it's supposed to be like that. However, everybody loved my mom. Okay. She's the choir teacher, and people loved her. Like, I mean, at the funeral, people came from years, years, years ago to sing in the choir and be there. But yeah, everybody loved her, so it made me cool, at least in the choir eyes. So when you figured out that people were doing impressions of you, basically, in college, and then you go, oh, I'm going to try to do this. Where did you go? Did you go to Second City or something? So the first thing I did when I started taking it serious in college, I read Judy Carter's stand-up book. And then I would audition to, like, host these shows. And my thought was, if I host a talent show or whatever it was, if I did a joke that bombs, I could just be like, and your next act, you know what sure. I mean? Sure. You had a parachute at all times. <laughs> at all times. <laughs> so I, I ended up hosting a few gigs, did pretty good at that. I knew I, I was going to graduate and, uh, you know, get a job teaching and all that. But underneath all of that, I was going to open mics and such. So, yeah, I did go to Second City. I did go to Act One. And I did go to Audition Center. And I was hitting the open mics and uh, all this while achieving my master's degree and teaching. Where were you teaching? I taught kindergarten through eighth grade in Chicago and Indiana. First year was in Indiana. The next couple of years was in Chicago. I know everyone knows this, but this is fascinating. Like someone, you were their kindergarten teacher. Like there's an adult <laughs> right now. It's like, oh yeah, though, I love that guy. Yeah, that was my kindergarten teacher. 
That never happened where I grew up where a teacher ended up becoming super famous and on um, Super Bowl commercials. That's bizarre for those folks. I'm happy for them. <laughs> yeah, some of them still reach out. You know, hey, Mr. Robinson, we're so proud of you. And you just inspire us. And I always say the same thing. Hey, I'm not your teacher anymore. Don't contact me. <laughs> I tease. I tease. It's always nice to hear from them. And some of them you don't remember, but then some that's like, oh, my God, wow. Then, but it's always cool to hear from them. But you're in really two drastically different cultures. Unless school teaching was wilder than I knew about, you were kind of like had a dual life a little bit now, being second city and teaching elementary. Oh, a thousand percent. And I was burning a candle at both ends. I was doing a lot, man. I was teaching during the day. And then on a couple of days a week, I would go teach in the inner city. So I'd drive from Indiana to go all the way to Chicago. And then at night, I would either be going on stage or I was a bouncer at a nightclub on the weekends. When I say bouncer, I was the guy that went to get the bigger guys. Hey, they fight. Yeah, there's mixed messages happening. We love mixed sure. messages so much, Craig. You're really giving them to us. Did you have to do like parent teacher conference? Did you ever bump into like some students, parents, and you were fucking letting it rip after a show? <laughs> <laughs> or did you date any of the students' parents? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't do podcasts. <laughs> but, uh, there might have been a fling or two that came across my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Opportunity oh. presented itself. You want to hear something crazy? Okay, I've never told anybody this. Oh. But one time I saw <laughs> this kid's mom, and I was like, so the kids were in class, and I was like, how many people here just live with their mother and no father? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh man, how bad is that? Oh my gosh. Human nature. <laughs> Oh, there was one mom you were interested in. He had wanted to find out. I see. That was was pretty smart. A little recon. So I'm like, are you listening, Jerry? I said how many people here only live with their mom and don't see their father very often. And when they do, their father is weak and does not like to fight suitors of their (laughs) ex-wife. Oh, man. Okay, so what year do you come to L.A.? Got to L.A. in February 1999. So I left in the middle of the school year. But, I mean, I had some really cool people helping me. Like the principal, uh, this was an act of God, I'm sure. So in 98, I wanted to go to pilot season. And I had no idea how I was going to approach my principal and say, hey, I want to be an actor. (laughs) By this time, my Deaf Comedy Jam had aired. So everybody at the school knew I was a comedian. One day, the principal, out of nowhere, Dr. Turner, he said, uh, hey, look, I know you're going to be needing some time off, so uh, just let me know. And I, I was stunned. Like, I had no idea this was coming. So in 98, I was able to leave teaching and go do pilot season and be out in L.A. and stay with my friend, Aaron Petty. My friends were to this day. She's in Dallas now. Hi, Aaron. She listens to Rogan. I hate to tell you that. <laughs> Better you hear it from me than her. <laughs> So I ended up, I won this contest in Oakland, the Bay Area Black Comedy Festival. So that took all of like, you had to go three or four times to keep going back and moving to the next round. I was able to do that and be around for pilot season and see what that was about. So I stayed in teaching another year. And then that summer I went to LA for a few weeks and the stress of going meeting after meeting after meeting, and I ended up getting a development deal from the first meeting. Green Alari, it was a beautiful meeting. Looking back on it, it was amazing. And it was so backwards because I had no idea how to meet. I was just yeah. <laughs> coming from Chicago like, Ugh. and yeah. so I think the meetings got worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> but that first one was on point. Then I ended up moving to L.A. the following February. With a holding deal. With the holding deal. Exactly. That's pretty wild. It would have been so hard for me if I was like gainfully employed in Indiana to make the leap because I'm someone who craves security. Are you similar? I definitely crave security. Even though I had a holding deal, I was asking people, hey, so how much money would you leave this job for? And I remember my father being like, when I told him I was going to L.A., he said, you're going to lose that good job. <laughs> Talking right. about teaching. Yeah. Looking back, thank God for my naivete, right? Yeah, like, do you know Will Forte at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so the thing that absolutely fascinated me about Forte, because he was a bit ahead of me at the Groundlings, so I kind of knew him before he was, you know, on Saturday Night Live or anything. And he was like a fucking very well-paid writer on the 70s show, right? Mm -hmm. And he left that to go be a writer on SNL with the hope of performing, making probably a tenth of as much. I'm in awe of that. I don't think I could have done that. If I'm not mistaken, I think Sean Hayes had like a semester left of college and left <laughs> to go rock. Yeah. We all have our thing. I think whatever, you know, moves us. But I said something inside you. Yeah, but it does make you wonder, right, like how many folks are hyper talented and then the right set of circumstances doesn't give them that nudge to go for it. Like you got a pretty good nudge as far as nudges go, like a holding deal right out of the gates. Yeah, I remember Buddy saying to me, they give you money to move here. Like, people come here with nothing. Yeah. So that made me look at it a little bit different. Okay, so you wouldn't remember this, but I certainly do. The very first time I met you and even became aware of who you were was visiting the set of Knocked Up. And crazy enough, it was your scene as the bouncer in front of the nightclub. <laughs> and I was sitting there with headphones on. And I, again, I just had met you maybe 10 minutes before, shook your hand. And then you said your scripted shit, which was great. All praise be to everyone who wrote that. But then they turned you loose. And I was so many things. I was like, oh, my God, this guy is so fucking funny. Followed immediately by, how come he's good at improv? I don't know him from the Groundlings or from <laughs> UCB. Or, right? Like there's some sense of justice got triggered in me. Like, who is, how did this happen? What? No one can be naturally talented. I had a similar experience. I met Danny McBride all knocked up. That was the coolest shoot. And I'll tell you a little bit about how I got there when we did pineapple express and danny was just improvising talking about you came over my place we had fish tacos with those british nights and i was just like no this is some bullshit what who was this motherfucker yes what in the yeah. world i had the same thing with danny mcbride when i watched that foot fist way i was like what the fuck this guy's in college he doesn't even want to be an actor and he's better than everyone what the what is this real i think we went and watched foot fist way in the trailer during knocked up Doing that scene in Knocked Up was crazy because I was doing stand-up, right? I was playing Vegas that week, and I didn't have a lot of money, whatever, so I had to get a buddy pass to go back to L.A. to shoot the scene. Luckily, I was able to get off the day or two I needed. I'm all worried that I won't be able to make a flight back and be in time and all this stuff. So that all worked out. Got there, shot the scene. How big of a moment was that? in your career? Because again, when I met you, I was like, oh, I'm just not hip to the whole Apatow world. I think I met Franco on that same visit who I didn't know. I was like, oh, he's in the universe. Again, I didn't know shit. I didn't know about freaks and geeks. I didn't know anything. So when I saw how good you were, my assumption was like, oh, he's in the stable. He's another Seth Rogen. But were you dialed in at all or were you brand new? No, I was brand new to it too. Now I feel extra excited because I literally was sitting there watching this seminal moment that moment. was really, yeah, a seminal moment. It was seminal. Remember the Sunday nights at the Dragonfly 80s band? They dressed as nerds. They're like kind of a Devo ripoff band. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Spasmatics. Spasmatics. Well oh, done, wow. son. You thought I didn't know what I was talking about, I didn't did. you? Yeah. Good job. Yeah, I read it all. Congrats. <laughs> I was at a spasmatics show and right there in Hollywood and somebody from part of editing, I don't know what they were doing, but they were like, man, your scene. And we just kept adding more. And it was like the first time I got feedback yeah. from somebody on the inside. And I walked out of there on the cloud that night. I was like, who really? So I couldn't wait to see it. So for a long time, it was knocked up, knocked up. I remember a lady in my building who was a fellow actor. And she was like, that's as good as any of us ever need to be. And Tommy Davidson was like, you don't know how lucky you are to get that role. I knew it was a special thing. And I respect and love to uh, Judd for trusting me with that. But you know what's funny is, sure, you're lucky to get the role, but 99.9% .9 of people, no one is talking about that exactly. role. So, like, again, I saw you do the scripted stuff, and it was a great script. The, none of the scripted stuff was in the movie as I remember it. Like, that was all Craig Robinson. It was half and half. Okay. So the top okay. half was, like, all scripted, 
And then once you get to stuff like you oh she she pregnant. The memorable part, we can <laughs> yes, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even now we'll you're you're it. trying to remember the scripted thing, and I'm kind of remember. Was it like, look, man, I don't like this job either. This is mean. Something like that right, at the right, top. Right, right, right. I, I get the runs from all the stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. It it's is. totally good. Yeah, that was a that was a wild time. One of the most special parts about that, because you know how Judd just let the camera go, go, go. He was saying my lines back to me to make yes. sure we got it. I remember this. Keep saying she's old as shit. Like, I remember all that. And then it was this dance we were doing. He's like, uh, we don't have placenta insurance. <laughs> it was same on. He was added on. So it was nice. It was a seminal. I like that word. So Shauna, we both love Shauna, right? That's why I was there. Shauna's the best, man. <laughs> yeah. Shauna is the absolute best. That's my girl, yo. Watch out, Ed. Watch out, Ed. <laughs> Watch your six, Ed. Watch your six, Norton. So does that open the door to the office? Uh, you know, open the door to the office was, there was this video I did with Jerry Minor. It was called Somebody's Fucking My Lady. It wasn't even video. It was like we performed it on several occasions. We performed it on these shows, the song. And then I went to audition for Greg Daniels and like 13 people who were in there. I think that that's what got me in the door because Greg was like, I saw your video. He's like, it doesn't get any funnier than that. I was like, oh, wow. thank you. That's high praise. Well, this is what I think you and I can both be so grateful for, which is we came about in an era where you could improv. I couldn't have made it as an actor. Like the fact that my very first movie without a paddle, I got hired solely because the director Brill was like, I want a lot of improv in this movie. You can improv. My audition of uh, the scripted shit, no way. Not even getting a call back. But thank God he let me just talk. I don't think I could have gotten anything. Bro, Without a Paddle was your first movie? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's crazy. You didn't come in with no small part, man. That was just like, that was all you? Well, I have been on Punked, which got really big. So, right, I went from never acting, trying for 10 years, never getting anything, get punked. And then literally four months after Punk airs, I'm auditioning for that movie and I miraculously get it. But again, only because he encouraged improv. It's, it's funny you, you brought that up. I felt the exact opposite way. Oh, oh, yeah. tell me. Because I was like, I had done Second City and all that. Guess I was just nervous that the improv wouldn't be funny or whatever. So it took me a while to trust it. I didn't want to mess up somebody's movie yeah, with yeah. my bullshit. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> well, the art form to it, right, is like anyone can get up and throw non sequiturs out and punchlines, but it's really learning to improv on story. That's mm -hmm. what makes you kind of good at it. There's brilliant stage improvisers who aren't great at improvising in movies because they don't stay on story. Mm. And you're so believable, too, when you do it. It's not like we see the comedian come out. It's like, oh, no, that's the same dude. And now he's got, what did he just say? I don't know. I think it's a huge asset. I feel grateful for it. I'm definitely grateful for it, especially for having a wherewithal to go train for it. How crazy is that? <laughs> to go Second City or whatever else, not knowing. I had a feeling, but I didn't know. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Canva. Good presentations take time. Or they used to, because now you have Canva to help you make amazing slides fast. I'm talking like seconds, thanks to the power of AI in Canva presentations. All you have to do is start with a prompt like a sales presentation for a tech company. Then sit back and let Canva work its magic. It's incredible what AI is doing. I'm seeing all kinds of image generated. I follow I these architectural websites that it's all AI generated. It's just mind-blowing what it comes up with. You just tell it what you want and it'll do it. Boom. It's a time saver and it's easy for any department to use. And it's great for companies of any size. Even Fortune 500 companies rely on Canva. Finish your work faster and generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, yeah, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell now. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know Craig was on Friends, an episode of Friends? No. Yeah. You were on Friends? Yeah, I had a threesome with Phoebe and uh, <laughs> oh. Monica. It was Google a cut it. scene, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a uh, government worker. Phoebe found out she could change her name to anything. I got an improv line in that. Yeah, you did. Get out of my office. Get out of my line. Get out of my line. Look at this deep cut right here. Are you seeing what's happening? Yes, Monica. Because I'm a massive Friends fan. Massive. Friendsophile. Uh, Yes, exactly. That's a great episode and a great moment. I mean, there's a gajillion moments and funny things on that series. But I was like, oh my God, that one stands out. It's so funny. It was so clearly an improv. It was the fourth to the last episode of the entire Mm-hmm. series. You got in there. And I had kind of said the line quiet to Lisa and uh, she was like, oh yeah, you'll do that for the pitch. They were such a well-run machine. You do this rehearsal two times and then the pitch. She was like, he's got a pitch. I was like, okay, <laughs> get out of my line. Boom, we made it in. It's but look, great. when I went to that Friends audition, <laughs> I walked in and it was all white dudes dressed like chauffeurs. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> immediately we all started laughing. It was like, oh, I must be in the wrong place. Or it was the wrong hour or something. (laughs) That's great. All right. You go on a pretty incredible ride run from Knocked Up On. Now I'm super jealous of you. You're like with Danny nonstop. (laughs) You're with Seth Rogen nonstop. You're in Night at the Museum. As you're trying to adjust, right? Like, first of all, I'm going to be a musician. Oh, I'm funny. Fuck, maybe I'll try this. But I'm also a teacher. I'm not sure if I want to go out there. Now I'm out here. Now I'm doing this. Where are you, like, ratcheting your focus to? Like, what are you seeing as possible for you? And at what point? Whose career do you start thinking, oh, that's what I want? Between my team, Mark Schulman, Jay Gazer, and them looking out and guiding my career, really, just giving me the, the insides of what I should and shouldn't do and watching me grow, I got to give big credit to them. Shauna Robinson is somebody who would, like, we were doing, uh, I think, Pineapple, and then Jerry Minor fell out of Walk Hard. She put me in that. And so it's been a blessing after blessing. I just want to be prepared. I just stay prepared, stay ready. You ain't got to get ready. And then when these opportunities come, they were there, and I, I just hopped on them. It wasn't like, okay, now I'm going to do this. Like, hats off to people who can say, okay, I'm about to do this with my career. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> okay, okay. That's a fair answer. My career has gone in lanes. Like, I'm hanging out in the audition lane for a while, all right? Then I get to the callback lane. Okay, now I'm back to the callback lane still. Okay, then I get the part, the five and unders. And so it really did move like that. Yeah, there were some things off of I remember one time, dude, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. And my manager was like, uh, you got an offer for $350,000 for this movie. I'm sitting up here thinking, well, when do we start? And he's yeah. like, we're not going to do it because blah, 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 and I just, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but looking back, it was a movie, <laughs> if I could remember. And I probably did it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bunch of people stuck in an elevator. That was the whole movie. I remember that script somehow. Huh. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, and I had not seen that Locke movie. I don't think that had been made yet. Have you seen Locke, the Tom Hardy movie? No. He is in a car driving the whole movie, and believe it or not, it's riveting and it works. Well, Tom Hardy, man. You know I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't want to be stuck in the elevator for two hours, I'll tell you what. <laughs> okay, I got to talk about Hot Tub Time Machine, because my God, I don't want to say it's underrated, because it's not. It made a ton of money, and everyone loved it, but... I love that movie. There's something so right about that movie. So pure, so throwbacky, so unapologetic, so like knows what it is. I just loved that movie. Like probably it hadn't been since maybe I saw old school that I liked a comedy that much. 
I don't know. I just want you to know I like it so much. <laughs> Shout out to Steve Pink. Oh, what a sweetheart, too, right? He's so brilliant. I love Steve. Whatever he wants to do, I'm down. But yeah, Hot Tub was like, I laughed out loud reading the script. I think it was the part where my character yelled at his daughter. And it was also interesting because music is such my partner in everything I do, comedy, and people find out I played, and they was like, oh, uh, like, that's what happened with Hot Tub. They came to see me perform, all the producers. And they were like, oh, Nick's a musician. We shot that in uh, Vancouver. That was the first time I was away filming in another country. And then, you know, I, I forgot, I don't know why we got these breaks, but I came back. And do you remember the time when Prince had all those shows at the Forum? Yep. I went to five of those shows. No. Wow. I would have gone to all 21 or however many, but I had to be back in Canada to film Hot Tub. I was there, and people were like, what you doing this weekend? When I was there, I was like, Prince is at the fore. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What right, else right, is there right. to do? Yeah. Was he the number one for you? Prince and Michael. How do you feel about Anderson? Anderson is the beast. He's the guy that I'm like, okay, I think this is our next Prince. I think this is drum playing Jimi Hendrix. He has something. I'm obsessed. That's a special cat right there, man. And he knows it too. He's badass. Did you watch the halftime show? I did. Did you know the whole time he was playing drums? Because I didn't. I was already at like a fever pitch. I was crying and clapping. I was so happy for those dudes <laughs> that they were fucking 20 blocks from home and they were owning the right, world. Right, 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 And then cut to Anderson back with that smile on his face. I'm like, oh, that motherfucker's been playing the drums the whole time. I exploded. No, no, no. They did the damn thing on that halftime oh. show, man. Mm -hmm. I was rocking the whole time. I was like you until they were all up there on the rooftop. It was like, oh, 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 oh yes. <laughs> this is legit, legit. And then I went, of course, of course. I don't know why I'm surprised. Of course. Can we go back real quick to you being a teacher? Sure. Because I want to know what you enjoyed about that. Like, do you really like kids? I do. I like kids. I had some great times being a teacher. Like I said, my mother taught, so I stole some stuff from her. Like, uh, she would do these concerts with her students and we would imitate Michael Jackson or whoever. So I brought that over. Before I got out of there, we did like an old school versus new school concert. So oh, cool. like one girl did Aretha Franklin, one group of boys did Drew Hill. It was back and forth like that. But it must have been so rewarding. I mean, there is a reason teachers do that because you don't get paid enough and you don't like, there's something very special. You know, I kind of fell into like the lady from my church when I was graduating, she had me meet her principal in Indiana. And that's how I ended up teaching in the school system for Indiana for a year. And then I moved over to Chicago because there was Teachers for Chicago, which is a program that you get your master's degree while you teach. Like I said, I was doing a lot. I was working on my master's degree and I was doing comedy and I was a bouncer. How much cocaine were you doing at that time? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't met cocaine at that point. Okay, okay. okay. Yet. What age were you? I met cocaine when I was 20 years <laughs> old in Santa Barbara. What age? I don't know. I'm sure it was L.A., though. I'm yeah. quite sure. Oh, I was a square for a long time. I didn't smoke weed till I was about 20 years old. Because your parents are so good, right? This is the downside of having a good family. <laughs> you don't do drugs. No drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have a big hole you're filling up. I don't think I'd ever do that stuff. But then here we are. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> So if you taught kids, do you have any kids? I don't, no. Uh, this kind of surprises me, and I don't know why I want it for you. I want you to have kids. Think how much shit you know. You could teach them everything. I think I'd be a great father someday. I think that would be nice. I agree with you. You know what's fascinating about you is on your Wikipedia, everyone's got a personal column. It's got all kinds of shit about your music career and your acting career and your early childhood. And then there's no personal. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Who does that? Do you do that? <laughs> the world. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand on Wikipedia. What I do know is someone said my real name was Daximus, and I tried to change that because you're supposed to be able to edit Wikipedia, and I said I couldn't because I was Dax. He's too close. <laughs> so I don't know how it works, but all I'm saying is normally you would say Craig was engaged twice. He is currently dating so-and-so, all that stuff. I don't think I'm interested enough, Dax. Well, I'm trying to get to that. I'm trying to get this column on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> have you ever been engaged? No, I did have about a four-year relationship about three years ago. But uh, no, never got engaged. What do you think is the primary reason? You're on the road all the time? You have commitment issues? Definitely some commitment issues. But as I get older, it's like, oh, okay, this is starting to get to what I want more. And there was a lot of just distractions and just play a player. 
I didn't take a lot seriously. It was just like, it's all about the career, having fun. It's not a bad thing. It's offered me a chance to now introspect and be like, okay, I see what I want. I'm not wasting time anymore. Matter of fact, now it's like, okay, let me be smart about, you know, and not just bring somebody along for a ride and hurt their feelings. You know, yeah. now it's like, hey, let's uh, take our time and not have to be with somebody right away to send it up. <laughs> He hates you, this you, part. Yeah, yeah, he hates it. But <laughs> I want so much more. This is why I don't do podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. I prefer not ask me anything. Oh, 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 oh. Scorpio. So wait, when you say you don't do podcasts, have you ever done a podcast? I've done them. Because you have friends with podcasts, right, that beg you to do it, and you got to say yes. People have asked. It. I've always say no. Wow, well, flattering. You, well, that is us. flattering. But I want to yeah. know what your fear is. What do you think will happen? I just prefer to have some mystery. Okay. It's working. You don't have a life column. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I asked about where you were putting your sights onto is that I, as genuinely, I hope you believe me, enormous fucking fan, you channeled to me my favorite ever is Bernie Mac. I just fucking love Bernie Mac so much. And you have a quality about Bernie Mac, which is like, is this guy going to kill me or make me laugh? <laughs> like him in Bad Santa is so quintessential Bernie Mac. Or my favorite part about him. Bro, dude, that's about as high a compliment as you could give. Bernie was uh, one of my favorites. And I have a personal Bernie story. You know, he's out of Chicago. So he had this amazing night, right? Like Tuesday night at the uh, Holiday Inn downtown. Was, uh, Miltroneers was the club. It was a nightclub at the bottom of the Holiday Inn. And the show started at 8 o'clock, but people were there at 5 p.m. It was packed at 5. The food and drinks, and Bernie would host, and he had the Mac band. The Mac band had the macaronis, you know, the dancers. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually did four episodes, I think, on HBO, but it wasn't the same. But it was a club atmosphere, and Bernie come in, just ripped to death. Ali Leroy was helping out. They would do skits. And then Bernie would bring up a comedian, and Bernie would bring up a singer. One week I went down there, and I had my tape recorder, and I let Ali Leroy hear. We were in the men's bathroom, and he, like, listened to my jokes. He's laughing. He's like, okay, you on next week. No. Oh, no, no, no. Wow. And then I went back, and uh, Bernie was like, how long have you been doing comedy? I was like, six months. So Bernie was like, six months? So he, like, <laughs> ripped on me. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. He set out not too far from me. When I sat at the keyboard, started doing my thing, in essence, holding my hand, right? Mm. Mm. I wish I could find that set because I had it for a long time. But he was so happy with what I did. He was like, whatever you need. And then we ended up talking, uh, and he was giving us gems and all this. And then I ended up doing his show, the Bernie Mac show, later on, once I got to Hollywood. So he kept oh. his word. And he was the best. Like, he was some soul food. Like, he would have catered food up in his office. So you had the food, but then you had... The food. He's <laughs> one of the best people ever, man. Rest in peace, man. Yeah, such a bummer. He was my favorite. I always wanted to make a black version of Smokey and the Bandit, and I thought, oh, he would be the perfect Buford T. Justice. Like, he would be the perfect Jackie Gleason. Oh, wow. Thousand percent. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. Okay, so I guess I've been watching on the outside and going, when's Craig going to have his own show? When's Craig going to have his own movie? I hope this isn't disrespectful to say, but I've been like, okay, you've been in every great thing. You're the most consistent person to plug into anything. Do you not want a show? Do you like being on the road? Like, I'm so fucking delighted you have killing it, sincerely. I'm so excited. Thank you. I've had some opportunities. I had a show Mr. Robinson that was on NBC. It was just short-lived. And then before that, it was a pilot. I've had some things cracking. It's Hollywood. What you going to do? So, uh, yeah, Killing It got with uh, Dan Gore and Luke Del Tredici of Brooklyn Nine-Nine fame. And here we are in this moment. I mean, you talk about a challenging show, man. We work with from snakes to <laughs> pig to dog to <laughs> some alligators rolled around in there accidentally. We got pushed back for the, the Ida hurricane because we filmed in New Orleans. It's set in Miami. They made real hurricanes. So you ever act in a hurricane, bro? Nope, nope, nope. Bro. <laughs> bro. You ever try to remember your lines. 
<laughs> and a hurricane. What's but, the fucking point? You're going to have to loop everything anyways, right? You just move your mouth like Mr. Ed. It's freezing <laughs> and it was crazy. And then with COVID, losing people left and right, it was so much going on. But I'm really, really happy with what came out and it was a ball man i hope people like it and if you don't like it i hope you watch it anyway yeah well look they didn't give me an episode but i watched the trailer for it. have you seen it yeah it looks great it's so fucking funny and it's about or at least as they describe it dan and luke is like in search of the american dream yeah, yeah. the quasi-religious obsession with entrepreneurship and wealth which is i'm shocked there hasn't been a show yet or maybe there is and i've missed it but yeah, tell me, what is the premise of the show? You're making this wonderful speech at the beginning to your housekeeper, and you're telling her this is a great opportunity for her to listen <laughs> to this speech. Yeah, it follows me from being a security guard. I come on some hard times and get some bad luck, and I'll do anything to fund my dream, is what it turns out. And uh, one of those things turns out to be uh, hunting snakes to help out the state of Florida. The trailer feels kind of righteous gemstones-y, speaking of Danny. Like, it's yeah, like yeah. epic. It's cool. I'm really excited. Oh, thank you. Right on. Come off to God's ears. <laughs> I can see why, like, you're a very specific performer. Like, the thing that someone were to put you in has to be for you. Like, they have to get you and write for you and put you in a world where you can be you and still be the lead and still be likable and then still be an asshole when you need to be and all these things. It's a pretty specific formula you need. So I can see why it would take an attempt or two. It's kind of like Danny. Like, you imagine Danny trying to be on any old show, McBride. I totally got it once you said it like that. He's too him. He's yeah, so yeah. authentic. He's too him. <laughs> <laughs> in the best way possible. In the best way, yeah. No, I, I hear you. Yeah, like, I don't want to see him as one of the friends at all. <laughs> I want to see him in tight white jeans as a preacher <laughs> who also rips lines and has orgies, you know? <laughs> For sure. Are you sitting in front of your keyboard? I am not. It's over at the comedy club. Oh, oh damn, man. man. I thought I was going to try to pull sneak on you. I would have loved to. I would have said, just tickle those ivories for us just a tiny bit is what I was going to ask. I would love to, bro. Well, another time. We'll set up a keyboard in here for you. In person. In person. Time. I got to ask about one more thing. There's one other layer of why I love you. It was some years back and you got pulled over <laughs> and you had some contraband in the car. And I immediately went, uh-huh. I've had that exact same toolbox with me many times. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know I would have gotten down with Craig as well in that fashion. Long ago days, long ago. Long ago days. Does that scare you that I brought that up? It made me like you more, for whatever that's worth. I mean, it's out there. No, if I was still in it, it would probably bother me. But that was a while back. I would die now if, that, if I did that stuff today. Oh, man, just one night. Yeah, that was a mighty surprise that night. Yeah, and were you thinking in that moment, like, well, that's that. <laughs> the stakes are high. Like, the fact that I never got pulled over, it's insane. Like, it's insane, Craig, that I didn't ever have that headline. I should have had that headline. Bro. I'm always, always waiting for it, right? I would get pulled over fucked up, and I literally, as they're walking up the car, I'm like, here we go. Finally over. It's all over. You're going to jail. <laughs> I have a, a DUI from way back. I remember when I actually went to jail that night, and there was a guy talking to me in the cell. He was like, oh, man, they got to finish New York, and they got to go through Chicago, and they won't get to us till later. We'll probably be here for the weekend, and they can move us to county. I'm like, what? So I went in on a Thursday, thank God, because I ended up getting out that Friday afternoon. I had been way worse many more times. Yeah, you're talking about blessed, man, and lucky. It's probably good that I got caught and slowed down. Was that a turning point, that actual incident? Yes, sure, ish. <laughs> turning point, ish. <laughs> I have all these stories, Craig, where I'll tell people like, oh yeah, I was doing meth all night. My mom was in town. I was supposed to meet her at the beach. I went to meet her at the beach the next day on like 40 minutes of sleep. And I was trying to find her on the beach, but my vision had like shrunk down to the size of like a little manhole cover. And I'm literally looking people in the face, one foot from their face to see if it's my mom. And I'm doing that for about 30 minutes. And finally, I can't find her. I'm incapable of doing this. I'm so fucked up. I come back out to the PCH on the sidewalk to get in the car that my friend is driving. And I'm going to shit my pants right this second. If I don't, 
I either pull my pants down or have it in my pants. I elect to pull my pants down. I shit right on the fucking sidewalk of the PCH while there's tons of traffic pulling into the beach, hundreds of cars watching. It's the most demoralizing thing ever. I start crying during it because I'm so fucked up. <laughs> Wait, you weren't famous then. I wasn't famous then. But my point is, I'll tell that story to people and they'll go, and then you quit. And I'll go, no, no, I did it for four years. <laughs> I have so many stories where the people go, and then you quit? No, no, I didn't. Quit-ish. <laughs> uh, well, Craig Robinson, I'm so excited to watch Killing It. I'm really glad that you trusted us to be one of your very few podcast appearances. I hope it was not as painful for you as you were fearing. It was fine. Thank you very much for having me. I'm sure you'll make it wonderful. <laughs> we'll have you back in studio and you'll play music yes, for us yes yes and you and monica will act out that scene from friends yeah oh hey wait do y'all sing because i'm not coming to play if dax will sing, sing. dax will sing for well, you well yeah what's your question let's get more specific do i sing are or you can good I sing? yeah because <laughs> <laughs> i sing like a motherfucker all the time and i cannot sing compounding it I live with Kristen, who's a fucking amazing singer. Amazing. Yeah, so maybe we'll pull her off the bench when you're here. <laughs> we'll make her sing with you. How's the sloth, by the way? The sloth passed, I hate to report. Oh, really? Oh, man, sorry to hear I'm teasing. It oh. was a rental. Do you know it was a rental? I did not know that. Did you think I bought her a sloth for her <laughs> birthday? Yes. <laughs> Why would not think that? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I don't love her enough to live with a fucking sloth in the house. They seem like they would be low maintenance. They are low maintenance, but they smell horrendous. So it ha I'd have to build like an atrium or something for it. But what happened was, you know, I was directing a movie and I had hired an animal wrangler. And then all of a sudden it occurred to me, oh boy, her birthday's coming up. She loves sloths. And I said, can you guys get a sloth? And they said, yeah, that's how it happened. I didn't buy her one. But I have to tell you the funniest thing a friend of mine said to me after that all became public. A friend of mine from Detroit called me and he goes, do you know how many sloths you probably will end up being responsible for dying because of that? And I said, what do you mean? He said, there's so many hillbillies right now whose girlfriends are saying, that guy got her a sloth. He goes, you know how many white trash dudes are going to be hammered, breaking into a zoo and stealing a sloth? So oh my God. <laughs> uh. You can have the blood of a million sloths on your hands. <laughs> hey, we didn't even touch on ghosted, which we both did. Oh, yes, Ghosted. That's right. That's where I got to see you in real life most recently. Right, right. That was a nice two-hander. Yeah, 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 yeah. He and Adam Scott. Oh, right. I haven't seen his new show. It looks bananas good, man. Oh. I, I love Ben Stiller. I'm about to go binge the shit out of it. You're going to love it. We started it four days ago, and we're on episode four, and it's fucking mind-blowing. And he is incredible. Adam's amazing. You know what's funny about that Ghosted? I'll tell you a really funny story is, we had dinner with them a week and a half ago or something with Naomi and Adam. And I was saying to Adam, because I was saying, I pretty much don't think I want to act really. And then I said, oh, you know, you got a good friend and they call you and you're like, yeah, absolutely, I'll do your show. And he's like, oh, I know. And we're kind of commiserating. And then Naomi goes, you mean like we did to you for Ghosted? And I'm like, no, 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 not your thing. Your <laughs> thing's way different. I love being there. And I was Max Hedrum, so I didn't have to do shit. That was a sweet gig you had, man. <laughs> you were a computer. And I was just reading a teleprompter. I was like, I got to figure out how to be this permanently on this show. I know. I want to figure out how I can be just in bed for a whole movie. But nothing's wrong. I'm not hurt. There's no ailment. <laughs> I'm just in bed. And then you have a teleprompter. I just saw the crimes. All the crime happens right outside my window. <laughs> Freeze! <laughs> Come in here. Put these handcuffs on. <laughs> Get in the back of my car. Another guy's coming to drive you down to the station. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, Killing It is out this April. April 14th. Oh, one day before tax day. So everyone will just <laughs> to finish up their homework. They'll be ready to party. And they're going to watch Killing It on Peacock. I can't wait. Monica can't wait. Can't wait. We adore you. Good luck tonight on your shows. Right back at you. Thank you so much. Y'all take All right. care. Bye. Love you, man. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman, Craig Robinson. Craig T. Robinson. Craig T. Robinson, <laughs> one of the greats, poltergeist. Wait, what, what do we think his middle name is? Guess. I'm going to mm, look it up. Michael. Okay. It is Philip. 
Oh. Yeah, Craig Philip Robinson. So Craig P. Robinson. Close Craig to Craig P. T. Yeah, Craig P. Robinson. <laughs> Craig P. and Craig T. He was fun. He's so funny. He is. Have you ever seen him play the piano and sing? I feel like I have maybe at a comedy show or something, but I, I don't remember. I think he has on a couple commercials as well. Maybe okay. you caught one of those. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so impressive. I like when people I can mix too. comedy singing and piano playing. Same. Like Reggie Watts. Reggie Watts. Um, Craig Zach, P. Zach Galifianakis. Oh, yeah. Although he doesn't sing. What does he do? He plays the piano during his whole stand-up. He does? Yeah, have you never seen him uh -uh. do stand-up? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he plays this kind of melancholy thing and throws out these non sequiturs. It's all weird thoughts coming out while he's playing the piano. Wow. He's one of those comedians. He's a comedian that is so brilliant and so funny. And then there's a thread of... Melancholy? Sadness, yes. Yeah. Which I think makes those people infinitely more interesting and better but it's it's a small bye rob bye wobby wob rob is going to go tend to his little baby that's right oh wait in my book last night emperor of all maladies oh yeah they used to think that the body was made up of four humors mm. red black yellow and white okay white was phlegm mm. yellow bile black bile and blood and black bile they thought is what caused cancer mm -hmm. and black bile means melancholia it does black and the latin of black bile the greek. is the greek mm -hmm. is melancholy black is melis or melon and bile is coli oh wow yeah and they thought that they were connected and i mean they kind of are and then were they trying to drain that yeah, they yeah. were trying to purge it and do all this yeah. weird stuff. Oh, man, they were out to lunch on <laughs> how to treat these people. They were. God bless them. They kept trying. I know. Anyway, that was a ding, ding, ding from my sleep. Uh-oh, we have a fact to check. Uh-oh. Uh, that I would say I missed and I got anxious. Oh, about Grays? Yes. Yes. I got anxious when I saw on Instagram you posted the correction, but I realized... That was on a Armchair and Dangerous episode okay. in which there is no fact check. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you had said in in an Armchair and Dangerous episode. A lot of the drawings in Grey's Anatomy were based on horrific kind of experiments done during the Holocaust, but not the case. Yeah. It's the Pernkampf topographic anatomy of man. Edward Pernkampf. He joined the Nazi party and yeah. The Nazi Book of Anatomy is still used by surgeons. Edward Pernkampf. Yeah, it's still used. That was the key thing mm -hmm. that, from the thing I heard, but it wasn't Gray's. And I apologize to Gray's, to the TV show, to Mr. Gray or Mrs. Gray, whoever wrote the original Gray's Anatomy. What if when you went to Pernkampf's, like Wikipedia, the first thing it says, Pernkampf was a prick. <laughs> they started with, it was a monster and a prick. It says, Edward Pernkampf was an Austrian professor of anatomy who later served as a rector of the University of Vienna, his alma mater. That's mm. the first sentence. Okay. It takes a while to get to the prick part. Okay, okay. Yeah. Go back to melancholy um, piano yeah. player. Oh, right. So Zach. Okay, so here's my whole honest experience with Zach. Oh, there's so much. One, he was in The Hangover. That's right. I very much wanted to be in The Hangover. I had met on it. This guy got it. Mm -hmm. I was like, of course he got it. He's a brilliant stand-up and then cooper was thought he was the most brilliant stand-up of all time you were up for that part no oh he just was in the movie and i wanted to be in the movie oh. so it starts with oh he's in this thing i want to be in got it why does he have all this street cred right so i'm thinking like then there's also a phase where i'm like i think because i've done these cheesy movies i'm never going to work again i blew it and now the primary reason this no-name guy at the time just as far as movies goes is getting is because he's so edgy so it's very mm. i think it was you know this is all in retrospect and then I saw him perform and Cooper was just so blown away with him. So I was a little jealous that he thought he was that brilliant. Mm -hmm. So then I was kind of critical of him. Is uh, he that brilliant? You know, I'm doing this whole thing. I'm being a dick. Mm, prick, like Edward Pernkoff. I was being a Pernkoff prick, PP. And then I went, well, I went to the first hangover in Vegas. I saw Cooper there. I visited him. But I don't think I had any experience with Zach at that point. Then I went to Thailand for the second one to visit. And we went out to eat. I was like, this guy is so nice he and seems so normal. Kind. Yeah, he's like a very nice, normal dude from North Carolina that lives on a farm that at that time chewed tobacco. 
Mm-hmm. And I really kind of fell in love with him. And then I saw him on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Mm-hmm. We both did and we talked about it. And there was this, this great moment where I really related to him. The loss of control of people filming you without your permission. Yeah. And then Seinfeld said, and then what? Who cares? And it's yeah. over. And then it's over. I needed to hear the advice Seinfeld gave him. And I think in some part I've, I've taken that advice and I've gotten better about all of it. And then I just felt, again, I related to him a lot. And I really like him. Good. But it's been a rocky, my, <laughs> it's been a rocky, my insecurities. Yeah, you've come a long way. Oh, that's what, that was the point of all this. No, but you have. I don't get that anymore. I just want to be clear. But the, I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there's like not one person I, I'm like frustrated that they're so successful because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It just doesn't exist anymore. It's such a waste of energy. Oh, it's a huge waste of energy. It's not true. Like I'm telling myself, oh, if... um. You know, if Danny McBride doesn't exist, maybe I'm in Tropic Thunder. Right. So in my mind at that time, 15 years ago, however long Tropic Thunder was, like, I'm not in that movie. I'd love to be in that movie. Yeah. And there's someone that does what I do better than me or what I think I do. But that that's the Skeptonia. Apophenia. Apophenia. <laughs> <laughs> that's an my erroneous... Dentist. That's an yeah. erroneous pattern or something. Seeing that I've, a pattern where yeah. it doesn't exist. Right. I used to tell myself those things when I didn't feel like I had enough. Yeah. And there was only a limited amount of the thing I wanted. Yes. And other people had it. I, get, I mean, it's common and I get it. I know I had that at some point. I think it's evolutionary. It's like all hunting and gathering societies shared. Every one of them. You, everyone pulled resources. So because of that, we have this great sense of justice. So if someone takes more than they're supposed to, you're triggered. So if there's like one deer carcass and some guy has the whole loin and you get a toe or a hoof, it's evolutionary. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That part. But again, you can shift your mind, which I believe now. Yeah. And that there isn't any scarcity of resources. Yeah. And in fact, you just can go make your own deer. You just got to figure out what it is. I won't speak for you, but for me, that's one of the beautiful parts of this show, which yeah. is I've been so filled. Yeah. Like the bucket's so fucking full. I couldn't get more full. I'm so yeah. grateful for it. I'd be ridiculous to want anything else. Yeah. I just don't want anything else. Uh, exactly. I would love to think I would have come to this peaceful place without this show, but I can't yeah. say I would have. True. At one point a while ago, me and you were having a conversation about resentments, and I was like, This sounds crazy, especially for me to acknowledge because I did grow up wanting so much and wanting this and wanting that. I I don't want to be anyone else. And I'm so pleased. Me too. I'm so pleased that I'm there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at a very young age. There is no life that I would rather have Mm -hmm. than the one I I have. So I feel really happy about that. Yeah, I'm happy for you. And that's very young to feel that way. Didn't start feeling that way until a few years back. And in fact, I retroactively get embarrassed for myself about all the times I gossip, how also transparent that was. Sure. I'm only talking about people I'm jealous of. Yeah. I think that's a common. Yeah, I think it's again, I think it's evolutionary. It's the way we regulated power without a police force or a government. It's like we always check in people's power. That to me is different than jealousy. It can be. It can be connected to jealousy, but it also can be connected to exactly what you just said of regulating the environment. But I think that's the hardware, right? So the hardware is like the reason hunting and gathering societies were generally pretty fucking egalitarian more than most societies that followed it was that no man could become so powerful because all it would take is, even if he was the toughest guy, three other men could decide collectively to overthrow him and kill him. Yeah. So there was always a great threat to getting carried away with power. Yeah, yeah. Similarly, we would now, because there isn't a tribal leader of us, we would recognize people who have more stuff than us and more power in society. I think that triggers our hardware. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Like, let's all gossip about the most popular person in our group. Because we got to check their power. But I think that is not the exact same as checking power means I want that. Well, I think it's safe to assume everyone wanted to be the top chief. They got the most food, the most wives, the most everything. Yeah. I don't don't know. I don't think everyone wants the exact same thing. I don't either. But I do think that everyone wants themselves with ultimate abundance. So- They might not desire um, to have their photograph taken everywhere they go, 
But I think anyone sitting where they're at right now in time and space, if you said to them, would you also like a billion dollars? They'd say, yes, sure. I would. Sure. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. And if you also said, you're going to have some standing in your community that when you speak, people are going to listen and take your opinion seriously. Mm -hmm. They would want that. Like they'd be the same person, but they would be heard. They'd be respected. They would have wealth. I, I can't imagine how someone wouldn't want exactly what they have, but add those things. Yes, I think that's true, but there's just different levels of contentment within people. Like some people are constantly wanting those things and some people are not. Well, I think to get really specific with it, some people tell themselves that that's where happiness lies, that they'll be happy if they have those things. Yes. But then there's other people that are happy and content. Mm -hmm. And then if you offered them additionally this billion dollar safety net, and when I get pulled over by the cop, the cop's actually going to listen to what I say. Mm. Oh, I actually wasn't speeding. It was I bet it was the guy in the red car you radared on an accident. You want to be believed. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And you want to have enough status. Like, you can watch it. A mm -hmm. uh, dude in a three-piece suit gets pulled over in a Ferrari versus the homeless person says someone just stole totally. my wallet. They're going to get a different level of, you know. Yeah. And we would all want Inherent to be treated trust. with the most amount of Inherent trust. And respect. And respect. Yeah, conceivably. I, that's true. And then often people have that, and we determine they don't deserve that. They're not good stewards of that. They're the wrong people to have that. Mm -hmm. Epstein, you know. Well, he he, he, he was yeah, the yeah. wrong person oh, yeah. to have. It can be right and it can be wrong. <laughs> yeah. But then Bill Gates, I go like, thank God, that's the guy who got $100 billion in that brain because he actually wants to use it all to cure diseases and, you know, prevent the planet from exploding. I agree. So it's like we can go either way with it. Yeah. The family I grew up in, that was always idealized. Like, that was never something to be upset by. That's the thing you wanted. My parents like fancy schools. They're the original unifiles. They yeah. like... They like that. They status, love achievement. Yeah. Yes. And so Accolades. for them, there's never like watching a thing with Bill Gates and is like, ugh. no, for them, that's incredible. But I bet if I asked your dad how he felt about the Kardashians, I think that's why they're sometimes hated yeah. is that they have what Bill Gates has and they go, but they didn't go to that school. They didn't have a product. They didn't provide a service. Hmm. It's not just. Right. I, mean, I don't I, feel I think that way because we yeah. both recognize what it takes. But, exactly. Yeah. But, and it's very weird because people don't seem to have it. I've pointed this out before. They don't seem to get mad about lottery winners. Because that feels like that could happen to me. Yep. That's why. That's true. That's a good I point. I don't think people think they could be Kim Kardashian because guess they can't. Right. Or they would. She's exactly. She's yeah. is successful because of effort, energy, a lot, a of, lot things. of things a that lot of not things. everyone can be. Yeah. She had, just like Bill Gates being born next to a library with a mainframe, she happened to be friends with Paris Hilton. That helped. Well, she maximized on opportunities That's in right. her life. That's right. There's some things that happen to her that can't happen to anyone else. Yeah. But the most important thing is what she did with it. Yeah. Um, Just to, like, protect my dad, I think he doesn't really know who they are. Yeah. Yeah, he's but not paying But do you think if attention. it was explained to him? Not in the way we would do it. My dad personally could care less. Yeah. Your dad's pretty um, above it all. He in a He's just way. not paying enough attention to care about that. Okay. Uh, you were like, who were you trying to be musically? Mm -hmm. He said, you know, like an usher type. And you said you probably would have said a different name nine years ago. <laughs> Damn it, R. Kelly? Of course. Okay, Chicago. You say of course, but when you first said it and you said Chicago, I thought you meant Kanye. And I was like, nine years ago, I was confused. R. Kelly. Yeah, R. Kelly was prior to all this. He was the high watermark R &B of, superstar. of producing. You know, yeah. like he couldn't not make a hit. And he did it seemingly now. I don't know this about him, but in addition to the sexual stuff, which is horrendous, yeah. I always saw a guy that was fucking mad attic. Like there are videos of him in the studio where it looks like he is fucking gacked out of his mind, like another level. So I I had a peculiar interest in him before the sexual stuff because i thought how is this guy managing because he's doing the closet right that's insanity that's like in my opinion coke induced psychosis the whole you know trapped in the closet where he made a whole movie it's a 25 minute song they no. the south park did a whole episode about oh, it oh i don't know this the, the the premise of the song is he's like fucking a married woman 
the husband comes home. He's in the closet. He's trapped in the closet. Now he's got a gun. And he's singing from the bottom of the side. Oh, no, he's got a gun. I mean, it's, it's preposterous. Oh. It's an acid trip of a song. He then made videos of it. It's bonkers. So I saw that. And I think the South Park guys were trying to make sense of it. Just how could this guy be do, I believe I can fly. Yeah. And then do this trapped in the closet. Sure. And he's a skanky motherfucker. He's talking about, like, it's a nasty song, right? Yeah. I just thought this dude's high a lot. Mm, and mm -hmm. he is in a zone where just your most primitive brain is working. That was my outside observation. Anyways, anyone pursuing music in the 90s in yeah. Chicago would have wanted to be our Kelly. Big deal. I think. Yeah. Okay. So Shauna is Shauna Robertson, who is married to Edward Norton. So there's a little part about, watch out, Ed. Yeah. And that's Edward Norton. Okay. His episode of Friends. Mm. 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 It's the one with Princess Consuela. Mm -hmm. Phoebe learns she can change her name to anything when she gets married to Mike Paul Rudd. And so she changes it to Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. Mmm, banana hammock. Mm -hmm. That's uh, one of the great, great funny words for a male underpants. That's right. They're skimpy. <laughs> banana hammock. Uh, speedo. Nut smuggler or oh. something smuggler too. There's a good smuggler. I don't know that. I can look Banana smuggler. Let's something. see. Nut smuggler. Uh, it's not. Nut. My searches. Oh, yeah. You're flagging Woo! every. Nut hugger. Nut hugger. Okay. Marble bag. Ooh. Man thong. Yay. Banana hammock. Boing. VPL. VPL? What's that? I don't know. Oh, my God. Bean bags. <gasps> trunks. Oh. German marble bag. Oh, German marble <laughs> bag. I like that. Tidy whities Banana hammock. I was on there twice. Monica. <gasps> yeah? Arnold? Could you go into my suitcase and get my German marble <laughs> bag? I want to go to the beach today. <laughs> it's sunny out and I need to work on my tan. <laughs> It's right in my bag. We grab it. It's a German marble <laughs> marble bag. He would wear oh, one. Oh, he always for did. For sure, yeah. Well, yeah. he had to when he would pose. Yeah, he looks great in it. Okay, did Bernie Mac have some of his show on HBO, the like live show he did? Yeah, it was called Midnight Mac. It was one season. He said like it didn't run very long because it didn't really hold up the way it was in real life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bernie Mac is a sad story, man. The saddest. Yeah. Fuck, I wanted him to live. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Melancholy. Well, that's it for, for Craig P. Craig P. Well, I love you. I love you. That was kind of a, that was a medical heavy I one. felt like you when I got to explain the humors and stuff. Like yeah. I had some knowledge that I could share. I, I normally don't. And that's normally your lane. And it feels really fun it to feels be smart. It great, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Oh my God. I love it too. Yeah. yeah. You're good at it. Well, so are you. You're a great MC. You're a good person. <laughs> and you're a great person. And you're a greater person. Respectfully. Thank you.